Uh, I've not worked out uh, how to not think uh, that I'm a garbage can. Yeah. At least I'm a garbage can, not a garbage can't. So um, <laughs> I will like take that with a, with a thank you yeah. and just bow out. Good job. That you did really good at that. Welcome to Pixel Therapy, the video game podcast where we look at the games we play through the lens of the player, where what you play is just as important as how you play it, and where emotional intelligence is a critical stat. Every other week, we bring on a guest who may or may not consider themselves a gamer to discuss one of the games that made them and changed them, and all the feelings they have about our favorite pastime. I'm your co-host, Jamie, pronouns she, her. And I'm your co-host, Spencer, pronouns they, them. And this is Pixel Therapy. So pull up an armchair Feel free to lie down on the couch and let's talk about our feelings. Spencer, it's the first episode of not only a new month, but a new year. And that means it's time for our monthly Patreon shout outs. This Woo-hoo! is our specially, special monthly shout out. Uh, thank you. That goes to anyone subscribing on Patreon at the name in the credits tier or above. Uh, for the month of December, those lovely Patreon supporters that we're shouting out are Adyinka, Araromi, and Val. Woo, 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 woo. Woo-woo. Thank you, Thank Yinka you. and Val, for your support. We really, really appreciate it. You both are awesome. Um, and we could literally couldn't do this without you. If you yeah. want to get your name in the credits, you random listener who's not Yinka or Val, head over to patreon.com slash pixel therapy pod and become a patron for perks like monthly bonus episodes, opportunities to submit questions and topics for the show, and even more. Even more. Even more. I just love that this this, this little community has doubled. <laughs> <laughs> Literally doubled in size. Yeah. <laughs> so thank you both. Yinka Our benefactors. Well. Our benefactors. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, so today, Spencer and I have been on holiday break here mm. in the old United States of America enjoying some time off some party in the usa yeah yeah lots of parties not really because of covid (laughs) Uh, mostly just uh it's been a party for us gamers who've just been sitting at home inside uh playing a lot of video games so spencer what have you been playing over the holiday break well okay first oh my god excuse me (coughs) i'm sorry i'm okay i was just the air you know Mm -hmm. um Oh, I just want to mention real quick, speaking of the air, um, I Christmas gift for myself. I guess I'm an adult now, but I did buy myself an air purifier. I don't know. Call oh, nice. it COVID consciousness. Uh, call it New Year's resolution. Uh, I just really <laughs> wanted to... Actually, you know what it was? I was on Instagram. This is pure influencer marketing. Courtney Craven, mm-hmm. shout out. Um, they, <laughs> our friend and the co-founder of caniplaythat.com, which is an amazing resource for gaming accessibility stuff, um, articles, reviews. But anyway, they posted on Instagram and Twitter saying, I bought an air filter and it, and in under an hour, it cleaned the air in my apartment. I just really wanted that. So I bought an air filter and I have to say, I can tell the difference. I literally walk in the room where the air filter is and the air just feels better. And, um, you know, the living room is where I do my gaming. And so I want my <laughs> environment to be just, just so. so you want to be breathing. Immerse. If you're going to be stuck indoors, you might as well be breathing the freshest air possible, exactly, right? Exactly. <laughs> my new normal. Um, but yeah, if anyone needs air 
cleaning recommendations, question mark, DM us on Twitter, Pixel Therapy Pod. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I will admit that I also have an air filter and have had one for many years. Really? Uh, yeah, oh yeah. Um, I've been sleeping on this game. <laughs> yeah, actually, yeah. Uh, yeah, I think it was like the first Christmas that uh, my partner and I realized we were officially adults. Uh, mm. His parents got us a vacuum cleaner and an air filter for Christmas. Mm. And we were the most excited about those gifts that we have been in a long time. And we realized like, oh, shit, we're grownups. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> the ground and the air. It yes. just feels good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so. um, but anyway, so I've been playing with that. Uh, but anyway, okay. <laughs> Games, right. This is a video game podcast. Um, so games I've been playing over the holidays. Well, okay, Ace okay, Assassin's Creed, Valhalla. Yes. Um, I've been playing that game for about forty-five hours now. Um just a casual work week. Just, just a light forty-five hours. Oh yeah. I that's what I've been doing all week. There's my week. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um but um for folks who haven't played the game or, or have been hearing about it, you play as Avor, who is a vikinger they're, they're a viking and uh they are going they start in norway but then they and their their brother decide to set sail for england and see what riches may await them so it's definitely like a conquest it's kind of i i was sort of surprised by the sort of um land growing your empire kind of nature of it. Like Mm -hmm. um, it's almost a little civilization E like I just like, there's just this, these little aspects of, I think folks who have played Red Dead Redemption two might be fans of this aspect of like building your settlement. You land Mm -hmm. in England, you build your settlement, you're, you're uh, raiding. Um, There's a mix of like using your long ship with your warriors to raid places for supplies to, uh, mastering everything from an axe to a longsword to a spear and your like bone arrows. Specifically like Catholic churches, right? <laughs> right. Yes. We are <laughs> pagans and we are pillaging Catholic churches, but honestly F them. Like Yeah, no, I think it's great. <laughs> I bring I wanna okay, I feel like I wanna claim AC Valhalla for the queer community and let me tell you why. Okay, so yeah. first of all, okay, let me back up. I kind of just jumped into the mechanics of this game, but let me just back up a little bit yeah rewind Um, a little bit so avoid the the game opens and you are this little person with a shaved head named avor you're a little child and you're in a great feast hall your dad's a jarl who's like the boss of all the vikings and he's forming an alliance with another king of vikings and everything's great you're partying you get attacked fuck you get fucking attacked avor (laughs) is a kid so they're told to wait in the longhouse while their parents go out and they're fighting off these invading vikings and it's helmed by kyotve the cruel who's this terrible guy he's like 20 feet tall why is he so like so fucking tall he just comes crashes this dinner he's attacking everybody um the thing okay so vikings it's called valhalla right okay i'm not an expert but um, from what sure? I've learned from God of War <laughs> and now Assassin's Creed, um, what I can tell you is that Valhalla is the place where warriors who die gloriously in battle go. It's the I, I think that's right. version of the afterlife. It's a great feast at Odin's table. And they're there chilling um, because everyone who dies in battle gets recruited to the great army who will be there waiting at the table when Ragnarok, the end of days, comes and they'll be there fighting. Um, so it's like a good place to go for a Viking. What you don't want to do is die a dishonorable death, like of sickness and old age, like fuck <laughs> those, um, or worse, like dying like 
uh, from behind or like, just like you don't, you don't want to die in a way that's not cool and can't be talked about by other people. You exactly. Know? Yeah. Um, and you might end up in Helheim, which is like super cold and dark. Ooh. Kratos Ugh. had to go there to save Atreus if folks. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't, I don't think we need to talk I'm about just, that. I know, I know. I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, anyway, so, okay. Valhalla. So your dad, um, unfortunately, Kyotve the Cruel, he is cruel. He forces, he tells your dad oh, in front of you, like, um, if you put down your axe and let me kill you like a coward, I will let everyone go. Obviously, that doesn't happen. Your whole family ends up dying. And so you, uh, Eivor, grow up with this, like, desire to get revenge on this guy, Kyotve. Mm-hmm. Okay, so that's just setting the stage. I just want everyone to know, like, kind of what happens before the game kind of kicks off. Um, so as I mentioned, like, you're Eivor, you're this sort of genderless child. Um, and uh, the game asks you to, you know, customize your character shortly after the scene, like kind of tell us what Eivor looks like as an adult. Um, and you can have this option to pick, I hate saying uh, male or female Eivor, so I'm going to say he, him, Eivor, or she, her, Eivor. Um, and uh, one looks feminine, one looks masculine, like one has, they have different traits, but they're the same character. Um, so you can pick a gender or you can pick this option where you let the game choose the gender, um, where it's, it says, like, let the animus choose the gender. Because Assassin's Creed, uh, long story short, you, uh, the, these, this organization of people has been around for all time, and uh, there's a kind of this other half of the game that happens in the present day, and, and you're kind of, um, you're going into this machine that lets you experience the memories of people who are long gone, uh, who are also part of this network of assassins. So basically, like, Eivor, you're kind of reliving their life um, as this other person um, in the mm-hmm. present day. But we don't have to get into that. But essentially, <laughs> um, your your gender allegedly shifts throughout the course of the game depending on the uh, strength of spirit or whatever whatever the game decides is emerging in that moment in time is how your gender allegedly manifests. I say allegedly because I've been playing the game for 45 hours and I've only been she, her, Eivor. Um, but I think that's an interesting facet that I'm going to count for the queer community, like this idea that gender is fluid. And I will say like the fact that the game experience is not changed, whether or not you're uh, she, her, Eivor, or he, him, Eivor, man or woman, Eivor. Um, like I do feel like there's this sort of fluidity in terms of how other characters interact with you um, because you are like, even though I am she, her, Eivor, like uh, I'm also like a, a decorated warrior and I'm a badass and I'm mm-hmm. like, uh, a leader, a natural leader, and um, people respond to that. Um, that being said, I do think that some interactions with other characters could be kind of seen in different lights depending on what gender you're playing. Like, yeah. there's a male character who very much comes against Eivor uh, as a like he, like he bristles at the fact that Eivor is put in place to lead in the absence um, of your brother Sigurd, who is the jarl of your settlement. Um, and mm-hmm. when you are uh, she, her, Eivor, that comes across as pretty misogynist. Like he's mm-hmm. basically like, who are you to tell us what to do? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, I'm a badass and I'm in charge and I've earned this place. I don't know. That's, I just feel like there's this sort of maybe like brotherly uh, competition if you were he, him, Eivor that would come through. But when you're she, her, Eivor, it just seems like super misogynist. <laughs> yeah, it um, just seems like a dick. But you have a lot of like, uh, I find that as a warrior, a traveling warrior trying to settle this this land, um, you interact with a lot of people, uh, men and women. Um, and I, I would say I'm 
the romance options can be kind of fleeting and probably speaking to the mm-hmm. nature of the type of life Eivor leads. Um, but I've had, you know, big burly men come up to me and be like, hey, like, I really respect your fighting style. Like, what a bang. Like, <laughs> and I've also had like a huntress who I've gotten really close to, um, like, We've had a re- we've formed a relationship. Every time I come home, we like go on a date and hold hands and kiss, and it's awesome. Um, that being said, okay, so that's Mark Two for the queer community, like uh, <laughs> just like super chill bisexual non-binary icon Avor, love her. Um, and number three, uh, there's a surprising prevalence of uh, psychedelics as a way of processing thoughts and coming to personal truths that I was not expecting from this game. Um, There's lots of opportunities that you, the character, have to eat mushrooms that you find in the wild. Um, And these mushrooms trigger these different uh, little kind of mini vision quests that you go on. And when you solve the puzzle, um, Eivor's trip ends. And it's it's like a full-on, like I have to say, uh, I mean, I have not had the opportunity to try mushrooms, but having had other psychedelics like... um, the the way the screen shifts and the way the colors move and the way you even walk and stagger around as the character like it's very immersive and um <laughs> at the end of these little puzzles you sort of um speak a truth into existence like Eivor is a poet um she's always like uh coming up with these mini uh like poems and and battle hymns as as she rides in and um she's often teased uh, lovingly by her comrades, like about being um, like an artist, having an artist's soul. And um, so when you finish these trips, um, she kind of kneels down and, and speaks something like, um, for example, um, like after one trip, she, there's all these fires around. And at the end, uh, she mentions like, oh, fire, it's like a metaphor for friendships and how they form. And essentially, like, there's something really there's an element of truth there and how trips and psychedelics can help you sort of come to realizations. And I think that um, this sort of inner richness and the poetry that she kind of keeps close to the chest and um, this kind of wandering non-binary butch energy just really (laughs) gives me a ton of queer vibes. And so I'm having a great time playing Valhalla. Um, Uh, I'll just pause there. What have you been playing during the holidays? Uh, well, uh, let's uh, first start by saying I went into the holidays, as I always do, uh, with this uh, <laughs> wide-eyed na- naivete. How do you say that word? Naivete. Naivete. Uh, thinking that I was going to, ke- I was going to play my whole backlog. Like mm. <laughs> I came into the holidays with, like, here's. Uh, 10 movies that I want to watch and 50 games that I'm going to play. And I'm going to get to them all because there's going to be such an abundance of free time. Yeah, And, you know, I always forget that like half of that time is going to be spent just like doom scrolling on my phone Mm. or otherwise not (laughs) putting my time into what I want to put my time into. So, yeah, I came in with like this laundry list of games that I want to play. And really uh, what I've ended up playing the most is Persona 5 Royal. Oh, yes. I finally got back to it, uh, our conversation about uh, our games of the year, uh, and you talking it up again really reminded me that I needed to get back to that game. And so you can't just dip your toes back into Persona. Mm -hmm. Um, You're either going whole hog or you're 
you're not doing it at all. So, so yeah, so I jumped back in and I, I wanted to ask you, Persona 5 Royal for me is a spreadsheet game. Like, oh. I've got guides out, I've got spreadsheets <gasps> open, I'm making sure I'm using my time to the absolute, like, mm. best use of it. Um, because, you know, we talked about the game quite a bit in our Game of the Year, uh, or our Games at Gaming in 2020 podcast, so I don't yeah. want to belabor it, but you do have um, periods of free time throughout the day that you can put to use, and you can use that time to hang out with your friends, to build up those relationships and unlock special skills, um, or you can use that time to uh, work on your own skills. Mm-hmm. Um, you have different categories of stats that you can work on. So you, uh, and, and different things are only available at different times. So there's a lot of time management to the game. There's this huge time management component. And I get like really obsessive about maxing out uh, <laughs> that, t- that time management and getting the spreadsheets out. So like for me, Persona 5 is a game that like I've got the laptop open next to me with 20 tabs oh open and yeah. I'm making sure I'm I'm using everything effectively. Do you just go in and just wing it? Like, is that your experience with the game or is it the exact opposite? Because I feel like we are so opposite that I can, I'm imagining that you just play this game without any guide at all. Yeah, I'm just... <laughs> <laughs> I, okay, this is my this is my strategy for persona. Yeah, okay. Um, uh-huh. So I've never I've I should try the guys. That might make me more efficient. But what I do is I I too like I really live for the social interactions and the day to day mundanity of just being a teen in yeah. Tokyo. Um, but what I do is on the so you have to infiltrate these palaces and you have a certain number of days. Um, so I just go in and I tell myself, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to give it everything I have and I'm going to, I'm going to finish this castle in one day. So I just try to finish as many castles as I can in one day. And then I Mm -hmm. take as many extra days and extra time as I have to like, honestly, yeah. In terms of which confidants do I go for? Because there's only a certain, you know, a certain amount of time in a day, a certain amount of days in a year. So like you can't Mm -hmm. conceivably, just like in life, you can't, you can't have, 20 super close friends. Like you have to decide like <laughs> yeah. who is really important to you and pursue those relationships. And, and um, so I just kind of go by my heart. Like I, mm-hmm. I am like, I like you, Ryuji. Like we're going to be BFFs. Yeah. <laughs> like, so yeah, I don't, <laughs> that's, you- I just play it four times. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Yeah. I was going to say, I mean, so you played, you played through it a lot more than me. I've just, you know, I had the original playthrough and I didn't use a guide as much in the original playthrough, but going into Royal, I was like, I want to see everything there is to see. Like I've experienced mm-hmm. this story a little bit more like coming in cold. And like, now I, I want to, you know, I want to get the, the depth of it. Um, but it makes it uh it's definitely made it it made it a little harder to get back into but then like once i fell back into it like i'm in all the way I, just the the overarching like story of the game is so fucking cool like the idea that this group of of kids who have kind of been through a bunch of bullshit are ganging together and like changing the hearts of corrupt adults like yeah i want it to be real i, <laughs> I want I this to be a real possibility that we could do that we could like and the whole idea of like, you know, the corrupt adults have these internal uh, palaces that are a reflection of their dark desires. And, and the way the palace gets created is, you know, someone has a moment where their their desires get corrupted and they become too focused on one desire and then they build up this. That's like what corrupts them and makes them a bad person. But by going in and stealing the thing that that you know their treasure the thing that's created this desire that can 
Yeah, that can give them a, a, a the ability to atone and recognize and see what they've done, and then they can come clean and they can be uh, they can admit what they've done wrong and they can receive punishment for it and atone for it. And I, I don't know, that's just it's a really cool <laughs> overarching narrative, and I do wish like it was real in some sense so that we could- yeah you don't get to see villains rehabilitated. <laughs> yeah, right. Like, uh, but anyway, um, I fucking love that game. I. Yeah, building the relationships with all of the characters has been so cool. I'm on the Casino Palace now, which mm. means that I'm almost through what was the original content of the game. Um, and then there's a whole other semester that they added for Royal, and I'm really excited to get there. I really like the two new characters they added, uh, Maruki oh, yeah. the counselor and Kasumi, right, mm-hmm. the gymnast. Um, really excited to see what happens with them and their stories. And... Uh, yeah, it's been a lot of fun. I've, I think I've put another like 60 hours into it over the past yeah. two weeks. Um, so that's been that's been my work. <laughs> How's your curry recipes coming? Oh, they're going great, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I love getting that uh, Sojiro uh, relationship to Max. Him and Futaba yeah. and that little family that you build there is so yeah. cute. Uh, yeah, for some context, uh, Sojiro is the you're a you're a delinquent kid who's been arrested and you have to get sent to a different school because you got expelled from your original one and Sojiro is like the caretaker that takes you a guardian who takes you in and lets you live um, in his coffee shop um, so that you can attend this school that's further away from your actual home and at first when you first meet him he's very gruff very like you know telling you to keep your nose clean basically and to just shut up and leave him alone and leave everybody else alone and mind your own business and do your work um, and then over the course of the game, as you like hang out with him and build a relationship with him, he will teach you how to make, you know, he runs this coffee shop where he makes coffee and curry and he'll teach you how to make the coffee and curry and you can get to know him. You can get to know his foster or his adopted daughter, um, Futaba. And it's just a really heartwarming little story between the, the and you become this little family with the three of them. Yeah. And speaking of the part where you're this like delinquent kid, like, Something that always fascinated me about the main protagonist of Persona 5 um, is that you have these piercing eyes. You have these these gray piercing eyes, and anyone who looks in your eyes can feel the defiance that's inside of you. Like, mm. you live a quiet life. You kind of stick to yourself, um, but you have this, this wild, glamorous, uh, you know, kind of trickster persona inside of you called Joker. Um, and, and, and people can see that in your eyes. Um, so what you do, your character, when he's walking around during the day, he wears glasses, um, and the glasses serve to kind of make him look more acceptable, help him blend in, kind of like make him look unassuming. Um, and you learn at some point, I always thought like, oh, he wears glasses, like it just makes sense. Um he's kind of like a bookish kind of guy but you learn at some point in the game that the glasses are fake like they're not real um and he just wears them to make himself blend in and and it kind of calls it's a small detail that kind of calls into question like uh like I feel like you too kind of see this character as sort of a nerdy bumbling kind of like quiet dude but like he could be tricking you as well like he could just be acting this way to to blend in And, and I guess that's not a bad thing. I just think he's really cool. So, um, so yeah. <laughs> yeah and, I mean, well, all of the all of the kids that end up in the the group, right? The whole thing is that the whole reason that they can go into the the um, 
the internal worlds, the metaverse it's called and, and uh, go into people's palaces and stuff is because they have their persona users. They have the ability to strip away their own masks and like defy what society expects them to be. And in that process, they like bond with these things called personas that are powerful spiritual beings, I guess. Right. Yeah. They're like, they're personifications and visualizations of these desires. And they take on the forms of common icons and gods Mm -hmm. in our, in our collective, like human unconscious, because that's how people sort of, try to give face to these feelings and emotions that can't always be articulated. Um, So these personas are basically like your own, uh, these projections of our collective ideas of, of certain wrath and rage and violence and Mm -hmm. cunning and whatever else, whatever else. Yeah. But then they're like specific to the individual and, and how Mm -hmm. that individual's own defiance is, is manifesting. Yeah. Um, So I, I don't know. That's just, it's really, cool that um all of these characters are kind of these like you know they're they're all different um for you know they're not um on the surface they can all seem like kind of stereotypes of different types of high school Mm. kids and then as you get to know them and you get to you see them and the ways that they're defying their expectations then that that's where like that depth comes in um but they all have this like hidden secret underneath the surface right of like they're not these they're not just the, you know, the bad, the bad boy or the, um, the pretty model <laughs> or the, uh, studious, like type A <laughs> teacher's mm-hmm. pet. Um, they have this whole other side to them that they get to live out in the metaverse. That's very cool. And, you know, I think it just speaks to like, none of us are just like what we seem on, uh, on the surface. So, yeah. Cool. Well, I think it's time for us to transition over to our wonderful interview today. Uh, Our our guest today is Celis Meh. Celis describes herself as a Latina queer scientist bringing mental health and gaming together into a diverse community live on Twitch. Uh, So she's a scientist by day, a Twitch streamer by night, and just an all-around cool person and mental health advocate 24-7. Yeah. <laughs> we had a really deep and ranging conversation with Celis about what games can teach us on our mental health journeys. Uh, and I, I was very appreciative of her openness about her own personal experiences um, dealing with her mental health and, and how games have helped. I think being transparent uh, and honest about those kinds of things can be really validating Um, Mm -hmm. for other people who are having similar experiences. So really appreciated her just being so open with us. And and the the conversation goes really deep. She was awesome. So without further ado, here's our interview with Celis Meh. We are in the virtual pixel therapy studio with Celis Meh, who is a amazing Twitch streamer, but I will let her introduce herself. Um, Celis, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? How do you spend your time? Sure. So uh, my name is Celis, uh, pronouns are she, her. Uh, I am a scientist uh, in in real life, I guess. So Mm. I spend my days doing um, research, genetic research specifically around like gene editing. Um, and then, and for when, the folks at home who may not know what gene editing is, is there a way to 
to Not give us, us an elevator we, pitch. We totally know what it is. <laughs> yeah, we this are is just actually, for the people at home. Oh We're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course. Yeah, no, gotcha, gotcha there. Uh, so uh, every every person has has their DNA, right? That's that's the thing that makes up like essentially who you are on on yeah. a biological level. The strandy and, guy. Yeah, the strandy guy that's twisted. And um, a few a few years ago, it was discovered that there were certain ways uh, using this this protein called CRISPR that you could mm. go in, cut that DNA, and then like put in what you needed. So a lot of people who have genetic diseases uh, need like that kind of therapy in order to address those those genetic diseases because they can't really be. Uh, cured in any way they can only be treated and the symptoms managed mm. so uh the research that i do uh helps to to assist in finding new ways to kind of go in edit that dna uh and hopefully cure people from lifelong diseases are you like in there like in the strands like cutting it up editing kind of like loki yeah so you, what? you it it looks it sounds really cool but it's really just taking like little droplets of liquid <laughs> and mixing them together and then running them through like fancy machines to see what happens. Okay. Like, this sounds like a game that I'd want to play TVH. Yeah, like, can we make a gene editing simulator? I feel like there's, they like, they keep trying to do that and then someone like messes it up. Mm. Cause like, I feel like Spore was like a solid like attempt and then like <laughs> it came out and it was just the biggest disappointment ever. <laughs> um, so like, I feel like, Yes, but also no. <laughs> oh my god, I just had a sudden flashback to Trauma Center, the game where you would do surgery, but also it was like an anime and like, yeah. oh man, it was like one of my first, what was that, Xbox, Dreamcast? I'm trying to remember, but um, oh. I'm sure gene editing is nothing like <laughs> that, but I just had a very visceral flashback to scalpeling Not- spiders that were coming out of someone. I wish it were that cool, um, but it's it's honestly not. And for that, I'm I'm a little bit sad, just yeah. just a little bit. Well, um, you make it sound great. <laughs> thanks. Um, so that's basically what I do during the day, uh, and then when I get home uh, from work on Monday, Wednesdays, um, I play video games online, and people watch me. And then on Saturdays, I do a, a special show that's called Self Care Saturdays, where I take topics on psychology and mental health and self-care and I break them down from a scientific perspective and kind of explain them to people so that I think uh I've I've struggled a lot through my own mental health journey and I got Mm. tired at some point or another of having people be like oh just go outside and do yoga Mm. and like it's gonna be fine (laughs) like you just need to exercise breathe and eat more kale the endorphins it's it's so great (laughs) um and at some point or another I uh got sick of that yeah why? And, uh, you know, <laughs> just I just I don't know. I don't know. It's it's rough. It's rough <laughs> out there. Um, so I decided to uh to go ahead and start talking to people in in the way that I wish someone had like talked to me. Mm-hmm. Um, when I started having like shitty head days, right? Mm-hmm. Um, or at mm-hmm. least that's that's what I call them. Um, I so on on Mondays and Wednesdays, actually now Thursdays. Uh, I play like whatever video games are coming out and just kind of hang out with my community. Um, we're mostly like queer, like kind of all suffering from a different mental illness. Um, Mm -hmm. and it's, it's nice to have that kind of a support group. 
And then on the weekends, we, we have the space to talk about that and to like learn more. Um, my, my official diagnosis is I have uh, a generalized panic disorder, mm. um, fairly severe. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have chronic depression and ADHD, mm-hmm. um, which are, they're all comorbid diseases, i.e. like they, uh, mm-hmm. they all kind of feed into each other. Um, and it's, uh, I guess it's fun. It's not really fun, but mm-hmm. like, you know, it, it's given me a lot of opportunity to, to learn and share that with others. So I guess that's neat. Yeah. And I love to hear you say that just cause, um, uh, as someone who also uh, has comorbid diagnoses, I have, um, generalized anxiety disorder. I have complex PTSD, um, and I have major depression. Um, and for a long time, I think, uh, as like a younger person, I thought there would come a day where I would just get better. Cause that's what all the commercials showed. And that's what all the people around me said. Like, you know, you exercise, you lose weight, you stop, you know, drinking alcohol, you only eat <laughs> like raw vegetables and then magically um, the depression just stops, you know, it just like cures itself. Yeah. It's really amazing. It just gets um, positive attitude, right? Um, <laughs> and then as an adult, like I feel like I've definitely come, I've made peace with the fact that uh, I think of it as um, like we were talking about spirit fairer in our last episode and there's this concept of a dragon that follows a character. Um, and when it shows up and rears its head, it's very scary and traumatizing for this character. Um, and I kind of think of my anxiety that way. Like you said, um, uh, what did you say? You said bad, um, bad head days, bad head days. Yeah. I, I call them like bad brain days or like, mm-hmm. I really resonated with that. And, um, you know, it's this idea of it being a living relationship, but I had to kind of figure that out over years, just sort of by understanding this thing going on in my mind and and feeling like it was almost like its own personification and I had to kind of learn to live with it. Um, And so having community, building community, um, I think that that's amazing. I I love how in your Twitch bio, um, you wrote, I'm here because I want to be an example that it does get better, um, Mm -hmm. which I think is especially a rallying cry that resonates with those of us who, you know, uh, live with mental illness and also identify as queer um, or as people of color. Um, And I was wondering if you could say more about like what got you into streaming, like what brought you to Twitch? Yeah. So um, I guess a little clarifier because I I realized that only we can see each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm, I'm a, a, Latina woman of color. Um, and when I was growing up, I didn't see anyone like, mm. like me. Um, and, and I talk about this a bit more candidly in my stream sometimes, but the truth is that, uh, I had this idea that because I was gay, I was a solid disappointment to my parents. Mm. So I had this, uh, stupid plan that when I reached around 25, I'd just, uh, kill myself. Mm. Um, and that, that sounds, sorry, I probably talk about it a bit more like, blase than I should. Um, that's, I think, my way of, of dealing with that. But mm-hmm. um, yeah, I had this this idea that because I am a disappointment, because I am like this, right? And and all I grew up with was seeing people who were like, oh, that person is, is crazy. Oh, she's like a lesbian. And they would like whisper about it and mm-hmm. be like, oh, she's such a disappointment because she, she didn't get married, whatever. And then there were 
people who try to um, enforce uh, corrective measures on me mm. that were not fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I left, I left my, my home country. Um, and I, I came to the U S to study and I basically had decided that at some point or another, I'd be too much of a disappointment because I wouldn't be able to hold mm. it back anymore. And when that happened, I just, you know, stop. Mm. Uh, it turns out that's a terrible idea. <laughs> uh, just for, for, you know, just to clarify. Mm. Um, and when I was a senior in college, uh, I was, I was severely depressed. Um, couldn't leave my, my apartment. My friends would actually take shifts watching me because mm. I would do stupid things if they weren't. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, this is probably something that we're going to get into a little bit later, but actually mm-hmm. playing a game really helped me through that. Um, but another thing that helped me through that was there's, there is this, uh, comic artist who makes this comic called chaos life. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's this very adorable comic of like, I think she uses she, her pronouns. I'm not hundred percent sure, but like her and her wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and they basically kind of like, go through their lives and it's like stupid things like what their cat threw up that day or like deciding like how to fix the bathroom when it's broken, whatever. And it was like these small snippets of mundane life. Mm. And to me, they were, they were everything right. Mm. Watching these like tiny little bits of like every day was like, Oh wow. Maybe I could have a wife. Maybe I could have a bathroom that leaks. Maybe I could have a cat that randomly throws up (laughs) and, uh, they would actually stream their, uh, like them drawing the comics. And so I, I met a couple of people in their stream. Like there were never huge streams. It was like 12 people at most, like, Mm. you know, just randomly. Yeah. Intimate. Exactly. And we would we would just hang out, and then they they talk about different topics. So like I got my like basic like lesbian sex education one hundred and one, oh. like by watching them. Mm. Um, I also learned that you there are a lot of creative uses for candles. Like it was, it was <laughs> stuff that, like you know you just you just kind of had to had to sit down and listen, and it was this this like intimacy and the sense of like community that I hadn't had the chance to experience, right? Mm. And it was in part just because, like, I didn't seek out any, like, LGBTQ communities. I didn't seek out any, like, Latino communities. I just kind of mm-hmm. went inward because I was so scared, mm-hmm. right? And so um, when I started on Twitch, I I started because I was playing in, like, an Overwatch, like, league and um, we wanted to record our gameplay so that we could go back and analyze it later to see where we could improve. And one day, like, a random person showed up during the stream. And I was like, yo, what's up? <laughs> we just started talking. And then suddenly, like, it was, like, three or four people. And then I just mm. started having, like, a small community. And then I started doing it more intentionally. So it wasn't yeah. just when I was playing Overwatch. It was, like, a, an intentional decision. And then I realized, like... I've been struggling with my mental health for like over 10 years. What if I could help other people struggle a bit less? Mm. Right. Um, and it was, I went to a, a comic book convention in, in Boston and there was this one comic artist talking about being like the, the example that she wished she'd seen. And I was like, Oh, I want to do that. Hold <laughs> on. And I realized that like, there aren't a lot of like queer Latina, like, 
women that are are in positions where they are like, hey, this is my life. Yeah. I've managed to do something with it while at the same time being like, but sometimes it's hard, <laughs> right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Like it's, it's gotta be, it's gotta be a balance because I think that one of the things that we see a lot in social media is like, oh my God, my life is amazing. Mm-hmm. And that can be really hard because you're like, well, what about why, why can't I have that? Why can't I, I look at that and be like that perfect. And the truth is that right. like no one is, it's just that, you can very selectively post things online, right? Mm-hmm. So I wanted to be a bit more like out in the open and be like, yo, what's up? Yeah. This is like my life and it sucks sometimes, but like I'm not going to stop. Right. You're still um, here. You're, mm-hmm. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, and I just for for the folks at home, um, the webcomic can be found at chaos, chaoslife.findchaos.com. And it looks like um, the author, A. Stifler, um, does use they, them pronouns, um, okay. but it looks like a really awesome comic. Um, folks should definitely check it out. And I think what you said, it's funny, we had another guest on a previous episode um, talking about Mars Dixon. Hi, Mars, if <laughs> you're out there, um, who has a streams as we gay and we were talking about the sims and um he was talking about how as a young person um who was trans and queer but uh not in an accepting or or, or welcoming family environment um and they're also uh filipinx and, and black a person of color um and uh just talking about how seeing playing the Sims as a young person and seeing that you could be queer and cook meals together and hang out at home and invite your queer friends over and just have a pizza party sitting around together. Like really, I I think um, as you're talking about the comic, which also has that kind of slice of life examples of like, yes, you can be queer and have the life and live in peace that you want. Like it, like I think, we all just want to be able to exist. Uh, it's it's powerful. Know? Yeah. It's so powerful to see like those, those little tidbits of reality, right? Those, those small slices of life make things so concrete. Mm-hmm. I remember the first time that my, my partner and I went and like decided that we were going to buy furniture together. <laughs> and it was like, we went to Ikea and like, we, we bought a bunch of random stuff, but on the inside, I was like, oh, my God, I've made it. Holy mm-hmm. shit. <laughs> ah. yeah. And it was it was this little thing where it was like, I if you'd asked me like 12 years ago, I was like trying to like figure out what was the easiest way to escape my friends so that I could just like be gone and not be a burden anymore. Mm-hmm. Right. And then right. like now I'm like living with like two cats. I have like a dope job. I've got a dope relationship and it's not easy but i like it Mm -hmm. that's you know kind of the the best thing yeah ah okay (laughs) (laughs) you know light stuff it's fine so celis you are a streamer um Mm -hmm. do you consider yourself a gamer like what's your personal history with video games um I consider myself a G-A-Y gamer Yes, um, for what it's worth. Um, no, but I've, I've been playing. I started playing video games when I was a kid. I'd go to like my neighbor's house and play on their Nintendo 64. Mm. And then eventually I got a 
uh, Game Boy with uh, Kirby's Magic Dreamland, and oh, then yes. afterwards, oh, it's so good. And then afterwards, <laughs> what an acid I got trip Pokemon. of a game, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, which uh, Pokemon? It was I got Pokemon Red. Oh, mm-hmm. um, yes. Uh, and then later on, I got Pokemon Blue because mm. some kid at school stole my Pokemon Red. <gasps> um, but then I beat him up and nice. almost got kicked out of school. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, Pokemon was, I was on in the, the line. Grade. It was. It was. It was so worth it. Um, but yeah, so I, I've been playing games for a really long time. Um, when I was in college, I I think the game that I was most obsessed with was probably like. I played a lot of Battlefront. I played a lot of Skyrim. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. But there was this this online yeah, there was this online game um called Dofus that I started to play mm-hmm. when I was in high school that it's it's a it's a French tactical MMO. Um and basically you 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 go into this world that has like it's called the World of 12. It's like this heroic fantasy setting and there's 12 gods and whatever. And your class is determined by essentially like which god you're under, and there's different races based on that. Um, and I started to play that when I was in high school, and I I distinctly have like this memory of like for a good year, I would go to sleep at 7 p.m., wake up at 3 a.m. I would play mm. games with my friends online while my mom was asleep, and then at around like 5 a.m., I'd walk the dog. Wow! And then like go to school. You were living like, like a CEO at. <laughs> I know what happened. (laughs) What happened? Where did that discipline go? I don't know. know. Um, Where did all the energy go? Like I just a kid. Yeah, it's gone. It's gone. This is. I need neurotransmitters like in a bottle to do that now. Mm -hmm. Um, But you know, at the at the time when I had the the energy, uh, I I did that, and then when I got to college, I I kind of kept playing it on and off. And actually, during during that time that I was like very very not okay, um, mm-hmm. that that game honestly was what what got me through. Um, and then uh, after after I left college, uh, the first thing I bought with my first paycheck for my first real job out of college was an Xbox, mm. so that I could play uh, Skyrim. Uh, yeah. That was Worth that it. was like the first thing, and it was it was solely because like. Skyrim was getting like its updates on the Xbox at the time, so they would mm. get like all the DLC first. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I want that DLC. I want that vampire life. Like, <laughs> me, please, Mama. Yes. And so that was that's what I was that's what I was obsessed with at the time. But yeah, amazing. Yeah. So you you brought up Dofus. Um, I'd love mm-hmm. to kind of go back to that and spend some more time with it because um, that is one of the two games that you mentioned to us um, was a game that you've told people has has kept you here. A game that yeah. was really there for you at a time you were suicidal. And uh, we'd love to hear more, as much as you're willing to share, of course, um, yeah. about your relationship with this game. So, um, like, <laughs> travel back to like senior <laughs> year of college, right? And uh, I was not okay. Um, Mm -hmm. My panic disorder was completely out of control. Um, I had tried to kill myself once. Didn't, Mm -hmm. it didn't take. Mm -hmm. Um, And my, uh, I had a, I had a boyfriend at the time, Mm -hmm. a big mistake. And uh, I had, isn't it always. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And so I had I'd broken up with him and I was trying real hard to like just get by. Um mm-hmm. I was having trouble getting like treatment at my school. Mm-hmm. Um 
and it was it, I was like solidly on the struggle bus, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was around Christmas time, um, the the end of the first semester that I had just stopped going to classes. I barely ate. I didn't mm-hmm. really sleep. And I would be at home and my friends would just kind of sit there and hang out with me and try for me to like not kill myself. And Mm. I didn't feel like I enjoyed anything. I didn't feel like I could accomplish anything. Like I was just this like this like bleh of a human being like dead on the couch. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I started I started playing Dofus again. And actually, my my roommate at the time paid for my subscription (laughs) and it was it was the Christmas event, and in in the Dofus world, there's an island that appears around Christmas called Christmas Island, KW. <laughs> oh my god! Um, and it's Quizmas. got rabbits on it. Um, oh my god! They're a specific like monster that's basically shaped like a rabbit, um, <laughs> and you could go and you could complete like all of the Christmas events and get like a special mount and whatever. And um, there was there was a guild that let me join them, and mm. the I remember the the guild leader and. Uh, her her husband they had like a a 10 year old son who had some kind of genetic disorder Mm. Um, and so he couldn't really play outside so they would play together as a family and during the day while the husband was at work um, the wife would basically like go ahead and like level up their characters in parallel Mm. Um, and one of the one of the specific things about Dovis is that you need to have multiple classes together to do a dungeon you can't just go in and do a dungeon on your own and mm-hmm. it's like around four or five depending on the dungeon sometimes more there are some dungeons that require like 11 people to be there wow um, but there's no there's no like system or at, at least at the time i don't i don't know about right now but at the time there was no system to like find people it was just like who you knew and whether or not you could get all of the classes in there to do stuff um Mm -hmm. and they'd they'd release this new class that i kind of liked and so i would i would play with her and she like lovingly helped me level up and she was like no just help me do this like let's let's go ahead so she would like play on like her computer like all three accounts and then i would (sighs) join her and we'd like go around and Dofus actually makes it easier to like multi account. That's actually mm. something that they're oddly known for. Um, and it was this weird thing because I'm not to this day, I'm not sure how it happened. And one of the things that I've talked to my, my therapists about is, and that you'll hear a lot if you, if you suffer from, from mental illness mm. is that memory is state dependent, right? Mm. When you are depressed, you can only access the memories from other times that you were depressed because those connections are stronger, mm. right? When you are anxious, the memories that you can access the most and easiest are the memories of when you, other times you were anxious because those connections are stronger. And mm. when you're okay, that's, that's part of why you have like such issue being like oh when was the last time i wasn't okay when was what did i feel when i was panicking all that stuff so memory is state dependent if you're okay then the memories you access are from when you're okay Hmm. um so in in the in the spirit of that i can't really remember how it happened (laughs) um but i i started playing and kind of accomplishing stuff and like leveling up and whatever and at some point i was like wow i'm I'm like accomplishing something like I'm, I'm helping, you yeah. know? And so I'd, I'd finish a dungeon and I would get a, a tangible reward, right. For the stuff that I was doing. So like I finished this like ridiculous, stupid quest where you had to run around and do a bunch of stuff. And then I got a mount mm-hmm. and I had to like, like, I just 
would go through and slowly like complete certain tasks and suddenly was like oh hey i did something oh hey i i I accomplished something oh hey i managed to like you know do something that's cool and then it it kind of gave me almost like this little bit of bravery was like well what if what if today instead of going into that dungeon i just tried to go into the kitchen and get like some food Mm. what if what if today instead of you know completing this one quest i asked my roommate to help me get transportation to a doctor's appointment um what if what if i could do something yeah and um that that realization of like maybe i am capable Mm -hmm. um was so powerful yeah and i and i honestly don't know how else i would have gotten it because i was so stuck in my own head and in my own fears and, and in that headspace of just, I am not worthy of anything. Mm-hmm. And honestly, the only reason that I was playing the game was to pass the time because if not, it was just me sitting awkwardly with someone who was like Loki trying to pretend they weren't there to hang out with me. Like, so I wouldn't kill myself. Mm-hmm. Like it was, it was this incredibly awkward relationship where it was just like, I know you're just here to watch me. And I appreciate that, but I wish you wouldn't. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I don't want to have the awkward conversations that come with that. So I'm just going to play this game, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and like my my anxiety disorder, when it's it's uncontrolled, I, I can't eat, basically. Like anything I eat, I get anxious that I'm going to panic and throw it up. So I panic and I throw up, um, which lends me in the hospital quite a bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I have pretty severe agoraphobia can't go outside hate big crowds people are terrifying um and i was actually recently diagnosed with complex ptsd but like Mm -hmm. it was it was it makes a lot of sense but Mm -hmm. it's one of those things where like i don't don't like thinking about it also i can't because i can't remember a lot of it but like go figure um (laughs) but it was one of those things where like i was trying to come to terms and that's actually something you mentioned earlier that that realization that your mental illness is kind of stuck with you right Mm -hmm. it's something that you need to like is deal with for forever right Mm -hmm. and and that kind of like realization and that kind of mourning is its own trauma in and of itself right Mm. the the realization that i am not going to really get better i'm going to get better at managing i am not going to be cured i'm going to get to a point where i can function Mm -hmm. i'm i'm trying to get out of surviving and get into thriving but that's the best i can do and i i'm not going to be able to leave this behind and just be cured and be okay Mm -hmm. and the realization that like that is something that you're going to have to do is incredibly difficult and there's an entire like mourning process associated with it and then on top of that like you need to figure out kind of on your own because nobody can really help you with that that like despite those things life is worth living mm-hmm. and what it is that you want to live for and at the time i didn't really know <laughs> like i had figured my family's going to hate me when i come out of the closet so i don't know why i'm going to bother with that mm. and like my friends are only barely tolerating me so i don't know like why i'm going to bother with that right mm-hmm. i might as well just like be gone and not be a burden mm-hmm. 
And it turns out that what I think about myself and what other people think about me is not always the same thing. I know it's wild how different that is. Like, and it mm-hmm. seems like you know, it's you feel like you convinced. It's so easy to convince yourself like this is real. This is what's happening. And I'm yeah. like, why do I, I? It confounds me sometimes why mm-hmm. people don't <laughs> like feel the way that I think that they should. That my that my internal narrative tells me that they. Are thinking of me. I had this ridiculous moment with my partner where we sat down to talk about something, and I I think it was like the first time that I I'd started taking like medication, and I could think ahead, right? And I could think like to the end of the week, like mm-hmm. just a week, but like holy shit, like the ability to think. A week ahead instead of like living in the 10 minutes of panic that I was in every mm. 10 minutes was incredible. Mm. And I just like turned to, to my partner, who was not my partner at the time, just my best friend, because I fell in love with my straight best friend. I know. I'm the lesbian <laughs> dream. Um, so I like, I like turned to my partner and I was basically like, I can, th- is this what it's like? Yeah. Is, is this what it's like to be normal? And she's like, not really, but like close enough. <laughs> I'm like, oh, thanks. Oh, cool. Yeah, is this what the neurotypicals wake up to every day? Yeah. Like, you know, imagine, imagine waking up every morning and not being like having to count like how much energy you have for every single mm. thing you have to do that day. Like having to allocate like little bits of yourself to, mm. to everything to calculate like, oh, if I do this, will I, will I be okay at the end of the day or will mm-hmm. it be like a bad night? Mm-hmm. Like imagine not having to do that. Oh, oh God. And like, you're this awesome now. So like, imagine all the crap you could get done if that wasn't taking up X percent of, of our brain space, you know, <laughs> I'm going to sit over here and pretend I'm not blushing at that comment. <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate that. Uh, I've not worked out uh, how to not think uh, that I'm a garbage can. Yeah. At least I'm a garbage can, not a garbage can't. So um, <laughs> I will like oh God, take that, that so with a, with a thank you yeah. and just bow out. Good job that you did really good at that. Um, and accept, accepting a compliment is the hardest fucking shit in the I world. I hate it so much. Um, <laughs> Um, on, on Dofus, there was one review that I read and the person wrote, if you like to easily create Uber characters and enjoy killing clueless noobs, Dofus probably is not the game for you. But if you want something that's a little offbeat with a heavy re- reliance on community and group goals, you can do a lot worse than spending $7 to see if you like it. And mm-hmm. I think that that really, like what you were saying about how the game kind of gave you the space where you could achieve a goal, get a reward, accumulate that and see like you're capable of taking even these little steps that pile up and pile up and pile up into something more. And not just that, but a lot of these tasks would take, you said like, you know, up to like 11 people, like that's, that requires communication that requires caring about someone else. It also means that your actions affect other people. Um, It's just kind of beautiful that this game uh, perhaps I mean, I don't know how intentional it was, but it's almost kind of like <laughs> group therapy for a lot of people. Yeah. I um, mean, what's what's interesting about it is that like it it forces you like if you want to be better, mm-hmm. then you have to work with others, whether you mm-hmm. like it or not, right? Mm-hmm. 
Um, and I think that another thing that the game does very well is that it does everything with humor. So mm. the whoever translated the game for like the the U.S. audience, um, they like inserted puns into everything. Like everything has like a ridiculous theme and stupid puns, and mm. it's just like they don't really take excuse me take themselves very seriously. Mm. Um. And I think that that kind of like lightheartedness um, flows through the community as well. Where like, if people are like overly serious about something, you won't you won't find people that are like that salty. Mm. You know? Yeah. Um, you have right. to you have to really find some like hardcore tryhards, and that's not the easiest thing to do. Yeah. Um, I feel like in worlds where, like, I feel like so often anonym anonymity <laughs> can be this breeding ground for hatred, for abuse, for toxicity, depending on the tone that's being set um, by other people in the community, but also by the game itself. And I, I kind of love what you're saying about how that um, that energy, that lightheartedness, it really affects and uh, sort of influences who's coming into that space and how they're being in it. Another game that you talked about uh, that I feel like you constantly return to um, because it's almost cathartic for you uh, was Dark Souls. Um, And so for people who are are some who are not familiar with Dark Souls, could you maybe take, say, a sentence or two about this punishing, punishing game? Okay, Um, I guess it is a uh, fantasy game uh, that was developed by a Japanese company called From Software. Um, It is uh, kind of made almost in like a fantasy horror genre a little bit um and uh it's hard Mm -hmm. that's that's honestly like that's it um you can go through the story like you can go through the game and not touch the story at all just Mm -hmm. just progress the way that the game like kind of tells you sort of to progress and you don't even need to know the story if you want to get into the story like you have to talk to NPCs multiple times so that they'll actually tell you everything. You need to look through like item descriptions. Like if you want to get lost in that, like go ahead. If you just want to like smack things, go ahead. Um, but the the kind of important thing that you have to remember is that it's just difficult. Um, mm. And the game's like very punishing. Um, you aren't necessarily it's it's not like like say in in like bayonetta where you're going through and you're just like this this uber like bitch queen destroying Mm -hmm. everything in front of you like here you can be like incredibly high level and then a bunch of low level monsters will randomly show up and you were just dead Mm. you're like well fuck there's, (laughs) there's no there's no like easy way to to kind of like do it and then some of the some of the bosses are just you know the hardest bosses are the ones that look easiest. So you get these Mm. like giant, like destructive monsters and you can figure out their pattern and like kill them. But then there's like these other monsters that like look like people and you're like, I could kill this like bitch in a second. And then you're like, Oh no, Oh no, what's (laughs) happened? Oh God. Um, 
And there's <laughs> there's a lot of different ways to like build your character. You can mm. you can be focused on strength, you can be focused on magic, you can be focused on like dexterity, and like you can make this glass cannon that hits really hard, but the second you get smacked, like you're out. Or you mm. can make this character that can handle everything, but they hit really slowly. So like have fun like mm. slogging through the game. Um but I think that for me, the thing that was uh I don't know that that's that's more like that's the most like attractive part of the game is that you can like complete like all of the the obstacles in your way you can like kind of defeat them and get through despite these like overwhelmingly negative odds right Mm. and it's this thing where you you gotta struggle you gotta take time to learn everything is going to murder you and you know one of the things that, that you kind of like learn at the very beginning of the game there's this one boss that comes out and it's like this big gargoyle demon and it's like surprisingly difficult to kill and you eventually have to like figure out how to like roll under it between its legs so you can smack away and not get hit by its its hits and then later on you go to another area and that boss is actually just a normal like enemy that you have to face oh, regularly ah. yeah so it's one of those things where like it really does build on your knowledge of the game but you need to sit and learn and try and try and try again. My my stream, uh, we played through. We've played through Dark Souls. We played through Dark Souls three as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for Dark Souls three, we had a death counter in the top mm. right corner. And by the end of the game, um, without counting like downloadable content, I had died seven hundred and fifty seven oh times. My gosh. Yep. <laughs> I mean. How do you, do you feel like, uh, like I'm someone who kind of avoids kind of like roguelite games because I do not like the feeling of, and I say this as someone who's obsessed with Hades right now. Um, because oh God, kind of, but Hades is like different. I know yeah, it's it hits completely, different. it hits different. I've turned it on its head and it's, it's everything. It's made me love the repetition and the trying and trying again, um, as you're yeah. talking about. But um, I think I tend to get, I, I think what you said about depending on the mood you're in, the type of memories you're able to access, like if I'm perceiving myself as failing in a game over and over again or sucking or I can't progress, I think I tend mm-hmm. to, it puts me almost in a bad headspace of yeah. like, see you piece of shit. Like there's always this voice in the back of my head that's ready for waiting in the wings for me to do something. Yeah. So it can be mm-hmm. like, see, I told you you were trash. I told it you. It was me, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So yeah. um, I tend to avoid these types of games, but with Dark Souls, um, it's almost like, kind of masochistic what what draws you because it doesn't really have any light at the end of the tunnel so i'm just kind of wondering like um what do you think what brings you back over and over again what brought you to play it to die 700 plus times (laughs) so one of the things that dark souls does very very well is that when you actually accomplish something like when you win (laughs) oh boy do you feel good (laughs) and like you learn you really do learn so areas that like are hard and an ambush and you're like depressed whatever every time you die it kind of like resets and i would i would argue against calling it a roguelike because i feel like roguelikes are uh far more depressed at least for me far more depressing except for hades Mm -hmm. um (laughs) Where you kind of like go in and then all of your progress is reset, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not really like that with Dark Souls. You you keep your your levels, you keep your skills, um, you lose your your souls, which is kind of like the currency for almost everything in the game. Um, 
but you like you can go back and retrieve those and yeah. and you learn over time like all of the little patterns so it's this world that constantly resets but it resets in exactly the same way so you can be like and i know this guy's here so i'm gonna kill him preemptively and i know that guy's over there so i'm just not even gonna walk over there i don't feel like it and this guy can just backstab and then we're <laughs> good to go right and once you defeat a boss that's it mm. they don't come back um, and so once you once you learn those patterns and once you accomplish something, right, you get to keep that knowledge, those skills, and you get a, a you know distinct reward for you know whatever it is that you manage to do. Uh, and that that feeling of like, oh, holy shit, I did it, is, <laughs> is like addicting to me, mm. right? And it's addicting in a way that like roguelikes and stuff usually aren't because it's not just like, I got this one piece of loot or, oh, I did this thing. It's just like, oh God, I've accomplished something and I've learned something. Like, I feel like I've learned something. Like, it's ridiculous, right? Mm -hmm. And it's, it's fun because you can like kind of, uh, apply that to other scenarios in the game. And then there's, there's this other aspect. There is like a multiplayer sort of. Um, and the multiplayer aspect of the game is basically that you can, um, people will either sign themselves up to help you get through bosses mm. or get through like areas. Um, and you can like summon them or there's like a PVP aspect where you basically mm. just try to go into a world and kind of screw a guy over. Mm. Um, I don't usually do too much of the PVP, but I really enjoy just going through and like helping other people beat bosses. Mm. Um, especially cause there's certain bosses that are like a little bit tricky and it's like, Oh, if this is your first time, you don't know that that's <laughs> going to be hard. Let's do this. And there's always something like really fun about having like a, a, someone who's like an expert in this, this one boss be like, all right, you just sit over there, kiddo. I'm going to take care of this. Um, and it's just like, it's fantastic. And it's this weird sense of community because you, you can't talk to the person. All you can do is like mime different like emotes and maybe like <laughs> say like one word yeah. using like the special item that like literally lets you say like a word. Mm. Um, wow. But there's this like weird sense of camaraderie and where yeah. you're just like, oh, I know what you're doing. Yeah. Let's do this. Like let's hang out. Um and it's it's I don't know. For me it was it's fun and the unifying factor for a lot of people is just that it's hard mm -hmm. and like we kind of enjoy that weird masochism, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um but what you get out at a, at the end is just the sense of of accomplishment. Um and I'm not talking like the EA like sense of accomplishment when you <laughs> unlock it. Like no, no, mm -hmm. no. You get an actual like, "Oh, my god." I've managed to do something. I did I that. Like I've learned something. Yeah. Like that was me. That bitch right there. Yeah. That was me. <laughs> um, and it's, it feels nice. Yeah. And so we've been talking a lot about the link between um, gaming, very two very different games, but in how they can sort of interact with and maybe even help us move through, cope with depression, anxiety, panic. Um, I was actually like doing some reading online and I had found um, that there were two studies actually done in 2017 uh, mm -hmm. of exploring um, video games as a treatment or aid for folks living with depression. Um, 
One was with 10 adults who were actually over the age of 60. And the other was with um, over 600 participants um, who were given a mobile gaming app um, that had, like we're talking about in Dothas, it was actually based on small tasks with like mm-hmm. simple goals. And as they completed them, they would get like a feedback reward. Um, and uh, these are published in um, <laughs> one... The first was published in the journal Depression and Anxiety, and the second, with the phone with 600 <laughs> participants, was published in a journal called <laughs> the Journal of Medical Internet Research, which sounds so fucking fake, but it has <laughs> a <laughs> website, and it is the leading peer-reviewed journal for digital medicine and health and healthcare in the internet age. But something about the name Journal of Medical Internet Research sounds like someone <laughs> sitting and typing things into web. Uh, MD. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> it's like, um, and it turns out that you have cancer. Good, so yeah. Let's get on with that. Yeah. It's like, oh, th- thanks, thanks, guys. thanks. Um, <laughs> they appreciate that. Um, but um, what these studies found was that so there were groups um that played with the apps for at least twenty minutes, five times per week, um, and then there were groups that um just went to weekly therapy. Um, and then there was a third group um, that played with a placebo, um, some sort of placebo game. I wonder what that is. Is it just yeah. a screen that has nothing in it? Like, I'm kind of like, I want to know more about that. Uh, yeah. It's made of paper. It's like a paper mm-hmm. prototype. Anyway, um, but <laughs> for participants who were actually... <laughs> For its participants who are actually um, experiencing uh, moderate to severe depression, they saw greater improvements in their symptoms um, playing with the non-placebo apps than those who were not depressed or who were only mildly depressed. And so, I don't know, I was reading that and it just was just, I just think it was interesting because before we even spoke, um, like this idea of when you shared your story of how this game um, modeled for you, like what the steps you could take in your own life, like, um, and and when we were talking about just as young queer people, like looking to games to see examples of, oh, hey, like that could, there's an example to model um, that could be me in my own life. Um, It's like without even trying, uh, like games can really be places where, um, I think because you're so deeply engaged with it, like you're really putting yourself into this character, you're taking these actions, um, you're living in this world. Like it just feels like a f- much more tactile way of visualizing a different feature than what you might experience just talking to someone in therapy. Um, so one of the things that I actually experienced was I am, um, I was diagnosed with ADHD actually like three years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it basically was that my my partner works in education. She came up to me one day and was like, hey, so I'm learning about how to identify students that have ADHD in the classroom. And it turns out that this sounds a whole lot like you. Mm. And I was like, oh, okay. <laughs> and I remember being deeply offended at the time because I didn't <laughs> know that much about ADHD. Yeah. And I was like, this bitch is coming <laughs> in here telling me I got ADHD being like, you can't pay attention to shit. Um <laughs> And as I, as I began to learn more and eventually got my diagnosis, it was this like moment of like, oh, snap, that mm. might have been me all along. And it was it was also, again, talking about this this kind of time of, of mourning, right, where mm-hmm. I was like, oh, God, 
what if I had discovered this earlier? Would mm-hmm. I be a better person? Would I not have struggled as much? Mm-hmm. Like there was this like, holy shit, I am like almost 30. I've just been diagnosed. What if I'd been diagnosed when I was 12? Would I not have struggled this mm-hmm. much? Um, and that's its own weird, like, oh my God, I hate the world <laughs> um, mm-hmm. sort of feeling. But one of the things that we discovered afterwards is that a great way to address my ADHD and a great way to address my mental health is actually just gamification. Mm. So a lot of those aspects that make games engaging and that make me like be able to kind of understand and, and play these games, right. Those things can be applied to different aspects in real life and you can, you can accomplish things and see progress in your life using those same kind of like, you know, different strategies so yeah. like one of the things we did is that we had a chore chart but like depending on the stuff that I did I was able to open like a chest at the end of the week and like that <laughs> chest would have a random gift that my girlfriend had randomly found at like Target you know? oh my god um I know it's <laughs> really cute um, but it's so gay it's, it is so gay I know it's fine. <laughs> we're a stereotype we drive a Subaru it's fine. Ah, me too what color is yours gray okay mine's orange so mine's gayer than oh yours, God, yours gayer. It's <laughs> not fine. that it's a competition Except, not that it's a competition but we also have like our bike rack in the back for, oh like, two okay. uh you know street bikes that are kind of vintage street bikes so like oh, i hear damn. what you're saying but like bring out the flannel bit yeah you hear me <laughs> oh. and you raise me to uh bike racks and vintage bikes yeah i i all right i'll stand down <laughs> just saying um <laughs> No, but it, it was one of those things that like we we found ways to take the the things that I engage with most in games and apply them to real life so mm-hmm. that I could like focus on some of the things that I struggled the most with. And I think that that's something that games do that like no other media can do is just that that engagement where you have direct feedback for whatever action you take. Mm. Um, and that's part of what makes them so powerful. Mm. Um, yeah. 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 Uh. Celeste, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we've had a lovely time. The time has just flown by. Um, <laughs> really where can folks find you online? Um, is there anything you're up to lately that you'd like folks to know about? Sure. So online, I am Celeste Meh, C-E-L-E-S-M-E-H. I am that on Twitter, on Instagram, on TikTok, on Twitch. Like literally, I <laughs> cornered the market on that one name. I'm sticking to it. Lock it down. Um, yeah. Oh, locked and loaded. Um, but uh, right now, um, one of the things that I'm kind of working on is is changing a little bit how we do uh, our community days and stuff mm. to to get people more engaged. Um, we've we've had this kind of like community for a very long time, and not a lot had changed. And now I'm just trying like new things and get getting people like more excited and having people be more engaged in their mental health and then Mm. reaching out to other Latino creators, other queer creators and uh, doing these, these panels where we kind of discuss a lot of the topics that are important to us um, Mm. that are, are difficult about our existence very specifically. Um, So if you're interested in panel discussions, you're interested in science, you're interested in mental health, or you're interested in games, uh, just uh, come find me. I'll probably be bitching online about something. So it'll be fine. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you so much, Celis. Thank you. Time is up for today's session of Pixel Therapy. Thank you for tuning in, and we hope that listening to our thoughts and feelings gave you some thoughts and feelings of your own. 
If you want to be like Yinka, Val, and the rest of our growing Patreon community, you can come check us out at patreon.com slash pixeltherapypod, where you can get a monthly bonus episode for just $2 a month, plus opportunities to get involved with the community and influence the show directly. If you're not up for contributing monetarily, but you enjoyed this episode, there are lots of ways you can support us for free, including following us on Instagram and other social media at pixeltherapypod or leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts. That stuff is just as important, and we appreciate it just as much. If you want to reach out to us, you can send us an email at pixeltherapypod at gmail.com, and you can keep up with all things Pixel Therapy by checking out our brand new website at pixeltherapypod.com. Finally, since we like to put our money and our energy where our mouth is, we like to end every episode with a recommended side quest. Just think of them as ways that you can get involved um, locally, internationally, uh, wherever, all over the place. <laughs> this week, um, sell us, let us know about a really cool organization that we wanted to share with you. It's called Take This. Um, you can find them at takethis.org. And essentially, um, it's an organization that's gathered around the mission of providing comprehensive resources, support, and consultation that's tailored for the unique needs of the game development community. One in two people will be diagnosed with a mental health condition in their lifetime. And especially in the video game community, it's pretty common that people think that no one will miss them if they're gone. Um, people who feel isolated, people who feel alone. A lot of us turn to video games for lots of different reasons. Um, so Take This was founded to let people know um, that they're not alone and that there is help for people with mental health challenges who are also passionate about making and playing games. Um, so you can donate, you can learn more um, about their programs and resources. Um, you can even check out their consulting and training offerings. Um, and that's, again, Take This found at takethis.org. That's T-A-K-E-T-H-I-S.org. Thank you for that side quest, Spencer. That is our show for today. So go forth, run a story mission, level up some stats, and don't forget to hug an NPC every now and then. We'll be back soon with some more Pixel, Pixel Therapy. therapy. Yeah. <laughs> Bye-bye. <laughs>